Hello and welcome to The Imperfect Start, a podcast about what it's really like to own a business. I'm Jamie and this is my co-host Aaron. Hello. We're the founders of Kali, a company dedicated to helping small businesses through the lessons we're learning along the way. In this episode, we spoke to Victoria Lopez, who's a classmate of mine at the Tepper School of Business. She's also a co-founder at The ED Company, a sustainable clothing line, and Stylent, a new service for salons that makes doing business easier. Aaron, I really enjoyed our conversation with Victoria. What stood out to you? One thing that I found really fascinating about our conversation was how Victoria touched on not only the creative aspects of entrepreneurship, but also how really successful businesses, no matter the sector, no matter the interests, often follow a set of frameworks. And it didn't really matter what framework it was, and she even touched on how it was just about finding something that works for you and determining what type of business you are. And when we think about how entrepreneurship shows us the really creative parts of ourselves in a really interesting way, it really reminded me of my background in things like creative writing, where you go in thinking that creative writing just means writing whatever you want and being as expressive as possible, but you learn over the course of academic study or even through just writing over years of practice that there are things and frameworks that you have to follow. So something like poetry that people think um, is just writing down words that sound good, really, really good poetry actually has a structure and a set of frameworks and plans in place that make it what it is. And I really thought that that applied to my individual experience in entrepreneurship because I'm learning it at a much quicker pace and on the job uh, because I don't come from a conventional entrepreneurship background. Mm -hmm. So that was a really fascinating topic that we got into that I would love to dig into more. Yeah, I really love that too because you know, I've always been this idea person, but not all my ideas have always been grounded in reality. <laughs> you know, before business school, and I just had all kinds of crazy ideas and inventions, right? But then I, I went to business school and I learned a lot of the frameworks that Victoria and I talked about. And even in just the last couple of years, I feel like I can ideate with a purpose, you know, that my business ideas have more structure and that there's actually stronger ideas and they're grounded more in reality. And I feel like being able to understand problems more and understanding, you know, how things work before you start ideating like crazy is really important. And don't get me wrong. I think having room to go nuts and be very imaginative and creative in the kind of business you want to run is very important. You know, you don't, not all business, otherwise business would be boring. And so I really do like that part, but the frameworks are important to even it out and to, to provide some balance, you know. But regardless of how strong of an idea person you are, or even how good your frameworks might be, it it's really easy to feel like you're alone in it all. Victoria talked a lot about um, how some of the challenges that small business owners face may feel very unique and, you know, lonesome, right? But actually they're not. Most, most of these problems are faced by all small business owners, they all face something similar. And there's a lot to learn from one another in these kinds of problems and challenges. And it's very important to find the support and get the reassurance that, look, this problem sounds horrible, but you can overcome it because many other small business owners have overcome the same challenges and they're successful today and you can too. So I really loved hearing that. I think we needed to hear that too, as we start our own, our own business, you know, of course, we talked about that and so much more with Victoria Lopez. We had a great conversation. She gave us a lot of things to think about when starting our very own business. And 
why don't you sit and stay and enjoy our conversation with Victoria? Hi, Victoria. Thank you for coming on to the, the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, this is great. And, I, you know, just want to talk to you a little bit about um, your experience in small business. And, you know, we're looking to really um, support small business owners and what we do. So we'd love to talk to someone who's worked with more small business owners uh, than we have so far. And so we'd love to hear a little bit about your background, you know, just in general, like what your background is, where you're from, that kind of thing. And also, you know, how you've how that's related to small businesses. Sure. Um, so I actually come from a family of entrepreneurs. My mom's parents have always owned small businesses. And on my dad's side, there's a good fair amount of people that have businesses as well. So I think growing up in my household, it was just very entrepreneurial minded. And then after college, even though I didn't study business, I ended up working for the Small Business Development Center, which is a uh, nonprofit house at the University of Pittsburgh that works with entrepreneurs. So basically, anyone can go and receive consulting services. And I loved that job because every day was different. Someone was coming in and they were like, you know, I have an MBA from 20 years ago, but now I want to be a small business owner or they're, you know, thinking about starting their careers and they say, I just, I'm going to start a business. Mm -hmm. um, and it was also a really interesting way to engage with the city because you're seeing the small businesses pop up in different neighborhoods, especially as P Pittsburgh has changed. Right. And naturally, I think being in that environment, you catch the entrepreneurial bug. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? I want to start my own business. So um, my mom and I started an e-commerce clothing company, I think two years after I started consulting. Um, in her background, her mom owned a boutique for like 20 years. And my mom used to own a men's clothing store too. Okay. So it was kind of bridging her knowledge of clothing and then my consulting background and we started the ED company. Oh, wow. um, so yeah, I've experienced working with businesses and then starting my own. And then being a Tepper with you, Jamie, you know, we, <laughs> we work on businesses on the side, so... That's yeah. <laughs> our whole thing. Yeah. I mean, that's just what entrepreneurship is about in a lot of ways is just trying to find ways to do something on the side mm -hmm. to end up turning it into your main thing. And sounds like you're, you know, as a consultant, you're helping people and you can't help but have the bug of well, all these people are starting small businesses. Yeah. I want to do something now. Right? <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and it was really interesting, too, to be on both sides because I think we probably know this more than others with our what we're studying. It's always easier said than done, and you know every step that you're supposed to take, but when you're actually living it, you realize, like, <laughs> the constraints a lot more or just everything. So I think it gave me a lot more empathy with my clients to be like, I know this is hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing there, too, is the fear isn't may not be real until you're living it. Mm -hmm. When you're helping other people the fear of failure and you know the the risk that goes into that into starting a small business is theirs it's not yours right. as a consultant but then when you actually try to do it on your own i imagine that's it's a whole different story yes <laughs> yes you're responsible for the survival of it so ah, yeah yeah definitely i think i can definitely speak to the the entrepreneurship bug i'm sort of the outsider in the room in a lot of ways because i never it never occurred to me to start a small business my family was not they all were typical nine to fives, maybe for small businesses themselves, but starting a business seemed like something that only guys in suits in big cities did. So it's really interesting now because as I've met Jamie and as we've both gone back to school for graduate school, the more and more I get exposed to it, the more I'm like, oh, this is everything. This is so cool. And it, again, from the outside looking in, it seems much cooler than when you're sort of on the inside and you're like, oh, but it's work. 
And um, but there seems to be a lot of redeeming parts of it. And I know we're pretty early into whatever we're trying to build here, but there are some already really good parts that are sort of emerging. So I'm really interested both from the perspective of someone who's worked with small businesses, mm-hmm. but also someone who's owned and operated one. What do you think the best part is? If you had to narrow it down to one single thing, what do you think? For me personally, I think if you are a person who is creative, that's the best part of having a business is that you have this outlet where you get to create something. And sometimes I think in the constraints of working a nine to five traditional job, you you know, you only create within certain limitations of what your project is. And I think being a business owner, you have an idea for a business and maybe an idea for a brand, and then you just get to create it and have it evolve whichever way you want. And I think that for me is my favorite part. I can get lost on our website for hours <laughs> and that's fun for me. Yeah. Um, the other parts, you know, the accounting, the financials, yeah, but, um, <laughs> but it was also when I was working with my clients, working with them through the vision that they had for their brand was always really cool. I think it's just the creative element. Yeah, that's, that's really great. And it, entrepreneurship just allows you to be creative mm-hmm. where like a nine to five just doesn't. If you're stuck in a back office job and you feel stuck sometimes, then being creative is a lot of times frowned upon because your boss or your company just wants you to do your, what's in what's in your tight job description and, and what your role is designed for. And they don't want you to branch out. Mm-hmm. But entrepreneurship is, we as we know, just from studying it and being an entrepreneur yourself, you know, there are no bounds. You control the scope and the bounds at which you can do anything. Yeah. Right. As um, with all creativity, though, I think it's scary. Like, yes. When I sit down to paint something or write something, you don't know where it's going to go or you don't know when you're going to lose control, right? <laughs> if you're writing a short story and halfway through you're like, oh, this is awful. The work that you have to do to get back on track is both at the heart of it and the fun part. It's always fun to be like, oh, I fixed it. I made that thing better. But the scale of a small business or of entrepreneurship or any sort of starting of any sort of business is so much bigger. It feels like the stakes are much, much higher, but that's where the most reward seems to be. And I think that's spot on. I think sometimes um, when you're working on these projects, you know, you're fixing small things and then you're like stuck in very much in the weeds and you almost have to take a step back. And that's when you go, oh. I built that. Like, but in the day when you're going through, you're like, oh, this is, this is not good. This is not good. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're our own worst critics anyway. Mm -hmm. And you know, your customers probably think this is exactly what I need, but you're looking at it from a totally different lens, which is, well, that color, it doesn't look right on that website. doesn't look quite right, but nobody even knows it except you. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that, that's definitely a tough part of being a creator in any way. Mm-hmm. Right? So you mentioned how you worked with so many different small business owners uh, while you were consulting. I'm curious, you know, we talked about what you loved about running your own small business. Mm-hmm. What did you see, uh, you know, maybe what is a story that stuck out with you with some of your clients who would come in and what did they do really well? Like what is something that that it factor that you saw small business owners have? Like, what is something that really stuck out with you? Yeah, I think there were two common traits that I saw in my clients that made them successful business owners, whether they were starting or growing their business. So I was able to reflect on what they had done previously. And that's the ability to execute on the day-to-day and maintain momentum because it's really hard when no one's holding you accountable. That you have to, with a very unstructured schedule, cross certain items off of your list to actually get your business up and running. I mean, I think it's having that dedication to just execute every single day. That's certainly a trait. And I think the second one, which is personally an area where I struggle with, is that you have to be 
unapologetic about just selling your business all the time. And I think the most successful people are those that, you know, they're living their business, they're talking about it, and they're not shy about saying, I do this, and they're really proud of it. And I think most people, I mean, everyone should be proud of their business, but I think some of us are a little more shy than others to disclose that project. Yeah. So I think those were the two main things that I always saw is that people, they were out there selling and networking and just getting things done every day. Right. Well, it's a good thing that those two things are the hardest for me. (laughs) (laughs) Executing is is hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, and and then also just being humble about what you're doing. You kind Mm -hmm. of feel like you don't want to be that person who's always talking about their business, but you're right. I mean, you have to, being unapologetic about what you're doing and because you never know when you're going to be in a situation where somebody can in a room can help you or be a customer or be an investor or whatever. And so it is important to maximize those chances, but it's also hard because you don't want the business to define who you are. Right. Right. I'm sure that that's always a struggle. Yeah. And I think it's a difficult thing to get over to speak about your business uh, frequently with everyone that you meet, but entrepreneurs love to help entrepreneurs. So they love to talk about their businesses. They love to connect you to people. Um, And Aaron asked before too, one of the best parts about entrepreneurship, it's the people that you meet along the way. And everyone's just so enthusiastic to help. Um, But you have to let them know that you're working on a business. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Can we just wear big name tags all the time that just say, I am working on this kind of business, seeking (laughs) this, this, and this. Yes. You know, like wear a t-shirt that says, ask me about yeah, yep. my business. Working on X. Talk to me. I mean, Swag? that's something we've talked about with going, we're going to a conference, you know, next week. And I was like, should we just go in t-shirts that say, I want to talk to you about your business. Should we make people come to us? And then we were both like, no, we're too shy for that. You don't want to get mobbed or get kicked out for being soliciting people and stuff. So there's things like that, that it's like, man, it would be so much easier if I could just make this my core identity. But I think we're still sort of figuring out what the identity of business owner looks like, trying it on and figuring out what parts of it serve us well and Mm -hmm. what parts of it are good and what parts we have to leave at the desk and come home and not think about. Well, I I see a very, I I see our first swag opportunity (laughs) where we sell t-shirts that have our logo on the front and on the back says, ask me about my business. Ooh. Right? Because then people, you know, you could wear that proudly. Yes. So first... A very obnoxious Kali supporter. For those people who are listening to our 100th episode (laughs) and go back and they're like, I want to see how they begin. And they can be like, that's where that shirt came from. That's right. We like to talk very futuristically about podcasts that... You have to envision it, you know? (laughs) Vision. (laughs) What it's all about. Vision. And luckily, a Kali is a very approachable animal. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I think so. So, I mean, I touched on it a little bit just kind of throughout, but I think there are, I mean, obviously there are a lot of struggles or a lot of hardships that anyone faces in any job, in any career path, but I think entrepreneurship is fraught with a lot of those things. Do you have any sort of struggles that you've seen people go through or in your own experience that really stand out? And I think you kind of touched on it, the lack of some things, but are there any things that you really see people going through that maybe they don't have a service or a toolbox to go to to help them with when starting a business. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing that's always missing or that entrepreneurs struggle with is just a sense of direction because it is so open-ended. Granted, for some businesses, they're pretty traditional. Think of opening a restaurant, but even the process of what is point A and how do I get from point A to point B 
you know, that's why I would meet with clients because they wanted to know, how do I do this? Am I dotting my I's, crossing my T's? And then for other businesses that are more non-traditional and open-ended, for them, it's a completely open field. They're like, where do I start? You know, what's next? What's five years from now? So I think having resources where people can have some structure and know where to begin and then when something looks complete and they can move on to the next thing. That was the biggest thing. It's very daunting. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And how did how did you solve that mm-hmm. for for your clients? I mean, I I talked to Ray Vargo, your boss mm-hmm. at the SBDC, and mm-hmm. always struggle with that acronym. <laughs> a lot of acronyms in economic <laughs> development. Yes. A lot. And government in general. <laughs> yes. And you know, I think you and he mentioned about like we we come in here and we provide templates and Mm -hmm. things like that. I mean, you give them that structure, right? Yeah. I mean, there are frameworks with anything in Mm -hmm. business. You know, one of the reasons why I also wanted to pursue my business degree was because I wanted more frameworks at my disposal that there is a clear path of this is how you put together a business plan. If you need one, you may not. So what kind of entrepreneur are you? Mm -hmm. And then what does that document to help you in your business planning look like? Whether it's, you know, the business model canvas or a different variation, if it's a pitch deck, So it's helping entrepreneurs decide what's the best path for you and then what actually goes into these documents. Or if you're putting together financials, where do you begin? What information do you need? Mm -hmm. Many entrepreneurs know I need a loan because I need to finance my business, but I have no idea what goes into a loan application. So we would work with them and saying, you know, you need to complete X, Y, and Z in terms of paperwork and then start putting together this list of items that will help you organize. Mm-hmm. So I think that made the process less daunting for them because they knew that they were doing things that, you know, in a way that the materials would be accepted later. Gotcha. Gotcha. Makes sense. Yeah. But it's just, it's just frameworks and what, what suits your business. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Makes for sense. sure. I think something that really interests me and something that I think as we're in this early stage that I'm experiencing more and more is the business frameworks were easy to learn, but they don't often address the emotional aspects mm-hmm. of it. What sort of ways have you seen people manage the emotional aspects or what sort of struggles on the emotional side of things? Because it is a very roller coaster process for anyone, even if you're 25 or 50 years in. How did you help clients with that? And how have you handled sort of the emotional aspects in your own business ventures? Yeah, I think first and foremost, speaking to other entrepreneurs is very helpful because you know how difficult and lonely the experience can be. And I think when if you're reading about entrepreneurship, everyone seems so successful and they're doing great and either <laughs> yeah. businesses are thriving and that's just not the reality in the day to day. And it is difficult. And I think when people are open and willing to talk about those difficulties, that makes the emotional aspect better. And what I try to offer my clients when I was working, because, you know, I had a long list of clients open at any given time. So I'm hearing stories every day and I could kind of share without disclosing, you know, specifics, this is common. Like this, this is a common roadblock. And I think knowing that it was something that was to be expected kind of made entrepreneurs feel a little bit better. Like it's not just me. I'm not messing up. It's just, it's going to be difficult and sharing that perspective or helping them anticipate challenges. You know, mm-hmm. if you submit a loan application, it might not get approved yeah. and that's 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 common and that's fine. I'll work with you to make changes. You know, you've been eyeing this property that you really want. It didn't work out with the landlord. You know, right. you, something that you thought would take one month is now taking six months, seven months. You'll get there, <laughs> but these things happen. Yeah, that that's and it does. Like mm-hmm. it's it's even you saying that now, I was like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I right. to hear that. <laughs> yes. 
one of the worst best traits of an entrepreneur is this optimism this cup not half full like this cup overflowing with (laughs) success that you can just guarantee that things will always work out Mm -hmm. and this is a sure thing and entrepreneurs have a tendency to to get like that and think well of course i can do it in a month Mm -hmm. the best case scenario is a month which means i will do it in a month because i'm the best Mm -hmm. and it's just not having like a little bit of dose of reality like a small dose of reality is kind of nice uh it's it's i hate to hear it but it's necessary to keep me level and sane, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think those reality checks are helpful and yeah. it's always good to hear them. Yeah, but it's good and, you know, not fun, but it's necessary. <laughs> At least the optimism is what keeps you going. Yeah. Right. So you right. also need it. So it sounds like for the future of this podcast, we need to have, instead of focusing on people who succeed, we need to have people who have bombed in their business ventures and who have really failed and just talk about failure stories all day long and that makes maybe that'll make our customers in the future feel a little bit better <laughs> yeah. and maybe that'll that'll be a way we can sell our sell Kali. maybe I mean, it's <laughs> only talk about failure <laughs> it's interesting that you say that though because i think a lot of the consulting what you see in successful businesses is that the statistics for small businesses failing are high mm-hmm. they're incredibly high but it's the likelihood of success increases by like every conversation they have with consulting services or, mm-hmm. you know, the businesses that do put together a business plan or a strategic plan, all these, they're big steps, but a lot of entrepreneurs don't do them and they don't have these conversations and they don't plan. And that's why they fail. The ones mm-hmm. that actually do go through these processes increase their likelihood of success significantly because uh-huh. they're just more prepared. They've heard the, they've heard the good, the bad and the ugly. I see. I see. Yeah. So having having good access to people who can level set with you, like consultants like mm-hmm. yourself or other services who can say like, no, like, here's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And instead of maybe relying on a friend who maybe did two years in business school or something is, is maybe is a better approach you're saying because consultants have seen more and can provide that structure. Yeah. Consultants or other entrepreneurs, I mean, even look at something as small as having the right business insurance. You're probably going to get the best recommendation from someone in your industry or someone Mm -hmm. who's worked in that industry um, with someone in that industry. And if you don't have the right insurance, something happens, you're, you know, you're out of business, Um, especially for brick and mortar stores. So things like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So I want to get a little futuristic on you and I'm just curious where do you, do you, oh, sorry. I was going to ask, what do you think small business will look like on Mars was the question. I was just, <laughs> on Mars? No, not really. Not really. Yeah, think about Mars. It's like the Jetsons, but yeah. Sorry. That was, <laughs> no. The, it was worth interrupting. The thing is, on Mars, it'll just be like a hundred Tesla dealerships <laughs> and that's it because nobody can afford to do business on Mars except Elon Musk. True. That's true. Um, but yes. Right, no, back to the real part. It's like a billionaire colony. That's yeah, that's Mars right. Mars is yeah. going to become. Yeah. Which maybe maybe that's a that's a good strategy. It's just going to become an incubator. Yeah, it's <laughs> a good a good idea. We can turn to Mars, Mars incubator. Yeah, Mars incubator. Well, we found our business. I think we'll also probably get do. funding for that. That's like the terrifying, thing. Oh, like no. out of the world idea. Yeah, literally. Yes. So. Still speaking futuristically, short future, you know, like the Jetsons, but a little bit less in the future. Where do you see small business and entrepreneurship going? You know, what what do you see as a trend, you know, from the 
clients you worked with and even just exploring it yourself, where do you see it going? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think, and this answer might actually be surprising. Mm -hmm. I, so small businesses have always been what make communities interesting and unique and that people move to certain cities and certain areas because of the culture on small businesses. Mm -hmm. I think that small businesses, and I hate to, maybe this is the optimist in me, are going to become an even more important part of American society like they used to be in retaliation to big oh. box retailers and okay. the Amazons of the world. Big box retailers responsible for like, you know, having a lot of businesses go out of business. But I think, I don't know, I like to think that the cultural <laughs> shift in America is looping back around a little bit. So, and then with all the resources and technology, it's easier than ever to have a business. It's easier than ever to market. Granted, there's like, it's a very saturated marketplace online, yeah. but I think those are tools that just make businesses stronger and more capable to actually compete. Yeah, it's very interesting to think about young people and how they will approach entrepreneurship mm -hmm. because the common narrative inside like higher education is tech startup. I have right. to take some technology, solve a big, giant, disruptive problem with it and get a billion dollars and be successful. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that there are not very many people who are actually going to do that. There are still people in this country and in the world too who they want to venture out on their own. And a nine to five is not good for them for a variety of reasons. Maybe it doesn't pay as well. We know that wages have stagnated across you know, most industries and hourly wages in service jobs and others have not risen with the cost of living. And so people are seeing these, they're running up against these barriers of, I, I can't pay my bills. I, I need to do something else because my what you know 25 years ago would pay my bills now just can't mm -hmm. and they're starting to feel the crunch of their budget and everything and so people in some ways you might think that some desperation drives entrepreneurship in a lot of ways you know and and you've seen that in the past like desperation does kind of drive mm -hmm. drive that but we'll see because the optimist right is like well people will just stand up against corporations but then the pessimist is like well people might stand up because against corporations because they have no choice. Yeah. And I mean, that is very true for entrepreneurship. And maybe I also have the perspective of being from Mexico, like entrepreneurship in the communities that in underserved communities, specifically in Pittsburgh that I worked mm -hmm. in, it's not always the preferred path or decision. It's necessity. You're going to start a business because that's the best likelihood of actually having a normal income. So that's a very interesting perspective as well. And I think one thing that is positive is, you know, when we talk about, the tech-funded startups, I think it puts small business owners in a very uncomfortable position. Everything, The conversations around entrepreneurship now because you're like, well, this resource isn't for me or this isn't for me because I'm not doing one of these big tech startups. Uh, yeah. um, but I think the conversations are now shifting and we see this every day that those aren't really, the VC model isn't sustainable, mm -hmm, that we mm -hmm. need to recognize that there needs to be more funding for female entrepreneurs and minorities um, because their business needs of their communities are really different. And yeah. that's exciting. Like if those groups start to get more, I think we're going to see more creative, mm -hmm. different types of businesses yeah. um, that are actually solving sometimes more critical problems. <laughs> no, no, you're right. I mean, like, because you look at people, you know, 10 years ago, the future of how can I be successful on my, you know, as a, like as an individual would mm -hmm. be go to college, get a four-year degree and get a nice paying job, save up for retirement. Everything's good. And, you know, I might come out with 50 to hundred K in student loans to do that. 
But in a lot of ways, it's, well, what if I could get $100,000 in loans to start a small business? Yeah. And at the end of the day, I'm still doing the same thing. Like I'm still investing in my future and I'm still in the same amount of debt, but now I have a small business. Right. And so you kind of wonder if maybe some of the student loan crisis may start to tip in the favor of people who are starting small businesses and, and going the entrepreneurial route. And maybe somebody will come along and provide the financial means to make that happen. But yeah, it's very interesting to see the future. And I used to think about that when I did loan applications, <laughs> I would look, you know, I'd sit in front of my computer and look at the amount of money that an entrepreneur was investing in their business and then the loan that they were taking out. And I'm like, how are they willing to, you know, that's a huge risk. Right. But then I thought <laughs> college students, because we were on a college campus, we yeah. all do this. We take out way more money. The difference is that, you know, they're actually going to start making a living and they're going to start paying that mm -hmm. loan down and be working probably, you know, their dream job for some of these entrepreneurs. Yeah. So that perspective is really interesting. You're like, yeah. I would never do that, but we do. Yeah. 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 How broken <laughs> are we? And like, let's go to college and then maybe let's go to get our master's degrees. And it's like all the student loan debt to pay off in the future, like somewhere future Jamie will worry about that. Yep. Yet small business loans, uh, entrepreneurs who get the small business loans, well, that kind of makes sense because they can go and start working on the principal and start working on paying off the loan now and also do what they wanted to do for the for their future mm -hmm. immediately. So it's yeah. kind of nice to think yeah. about that perspective. It's interesting. I think you touched on that sort of in what you were talking about, but I had never connected just how important or how formative things like side hustles are becoming for people who have the entrepreneurial spirit but don't know it. And I know so many people who started doing something on the side because just simply to pay their student loan payment. Mm -hmm. And it turned into a full-time job so quickly because they were like, wait, people will pay me to do this? And those people, I think, don't often think of themselves as entrepreneurs. They think of themselves as something very different. And the conversation is changing and we see that it's sustainable to own your own business. And if your student loan is your business loan for yourself, if you are a business, then why not treat yourself the same way you would your restaurant or boutique or whatever. So yeah, I mean that y'all like hearing that conversation was really like, oh, yeah. like I've put an investment in student loans into myself and in starting the business that we're starting, that becomes way more valuable. And so I'm hoping that that's something that we can hear from a lot more people because it's really important to a lot of people to own their own destiny. And mm -hmm. this is really a great way to do it. Yeah, and I heard, um, I think it was a student entrepreneur also say that, you know, there is a risk with the business failure, but hopefully along the way, you'll also have met a lot of people that if you do need to find a traditional job, you can go work for one of their companies, yeah. find an opportunity there, and it kind of reduces the risk a little bit because it's, it's certainly very daunting when you look yeah. at numbers. The world is full of opportunities. And so sometimes it's easy to think, well, especially as an entrepreneur who says, well, the end goal is to start, is to own my business and run my business and make six figures. And that's like the only outcome I imagine. But through that process, there's so many different outcomes mm -hmm. that can happen. It's not just a linear thing. And at the end of it, you may not actually have started the business, but you may have met the right people along the way. And you may have met, you know, you may have figured something out about your business that doesn't work, but you now can take that to uh, an adjacent industry that you can go and consult in or go work in. And you're still learning quite a bit mm -hmm. along the path. So even if you're not doing the four-year degree thing, you're still learning quite a bit. So it'll be interesting to see how people re reframe what the like 18 to 
age range, like mm-hmm. what that journey looks like in the future. I mean, we'll see how if young people have the urge to just risk that and like, do their own thing versus going the more traditional route because the, tr- the traditional route may not be paying off like it used to. Right. And it's not for everyone. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Yeah. That, that's a reality too, that not everyone has to or needs to go to college and, or, you know, and even wants to. Mm-hmm. And so we should, as a society, right, like try to stop thinking, well, college, if you don't go to college, then you're, you're basically beneath us and there's nothing else you can do. But that's not true. And we see so many great people really smart people who realize formal education is not their thing, but then realize that they can go kill it in entrepreneurship. Right. Yep. And that's really nice to see. Perfect. So I want to round out our interview. I want to round out our episode with talking a little bit more about your future and what you're planning. So I'd love to know what are you doing now? And as far as entrepreneurship from an entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. lens, and, um, you know, how has maybe like worked in small businesses before and working with other small business owners, how has that guided you to, to be what you're working on today? Yeah. Pimp your project is what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I, I am actually taking a traditional nine to five job next year, okay. but, um, I think it's, you know, we've had these conversations before in the program of the balance of you work until something is, you realize how viable it is. Um, and I still very much enjoy the side projects that I have, which are two right now for creative reasons and just because they're, they're areas that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm continuing to work on the ED company with my mom. Uh, so we're going to continue to build out that platform and actually focus it more to just being not our own products, but also anything that is around sustainability um, focused. So it's like an e-commerce platform mm-hmm. for any type of product uh, with that area of focus. And then also Stylent is a project that I'm working that Aaron and Jamie know about um, through the capstone. And Stylent is a platform to find salon services. But I think with a lot of the value with Stylent too is that this is an area that's very new for me uh-huh. because it is more tech-based. So I'm very curious about how you would go about building a platform. So it's nice to have these next couple of months to see you know, what that process looks like. And then if I decide to do something else in the future, I think with anything with entrepreneurship, you just learn things along the way and they become less daunting. Right. Yeah. Right. Because, yeah, because your experience based on, you know, your experience is really not in tech up until now. And I know if like full time you're going into Mm -hmm. the tech world, you're going to be like immersed in in technology on your nine to five. And then on the side, you'll also, I mean, the two projects you described have a huge dose of technology that you can't avoid. And so it's interesting to see every small business really is going to have to confront the fact that it's 2019 Mm -hmm. and technology is a way for you to, like, it's not a necessary evil. It's a way for you to actually excel in your business. Right. And acknowledging that and embracing that and, you know, willing to, and and be willing to learn a little bit Mm -hmm. uh, is really important. And so it sounds like you're going down that path too. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, I might've missed the second part of your question, but the way that small businesses has influenced me is that even though, you know, these are more tech focused companies that what you might see in when you're like driving around Pittsburgh and the traditional businesses is that at the heart of every project, I realized this when I was thinking about it the other day, I've always maintained like my love for small businesses, Mm -hmm. even Stylent, which is, it's still helping salons better market their services because I know that these are areas where they challenge, they find challenges. You know, Edie is still a traditional, it's a, it's a clothing company. So I think my heart has always been in just working with small businesses and entrepreneurs and yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, for the listeners out there, any, both of the projects, anything we have from Victoria, 
websites or informational materials or contact information we'll put in the show notes so in case you're really interested in any of the projects that victoria mentioned you can reach out to her and we'll make sure that uh you know we want to make sure we plug your stuff thanks <laughs> you took the time to come over and yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh it's snowing outside and it's like five degrees so we it's appreciate a, that it's a lovely pittsburgh day just <laughs> what yeah. we would expect yeah. thank you so much okay. for coming it's exciting to have these conversations and You've said a lot of the things that I think helps us to figure out where we're going. And like you said, the more entrepreneurs you talk to, the better entrepreneur you are. So you're the first step in that process for us, or one of many steps that we're taking to figure out what that looks like for us. Yeah. No, and I'm excited to see Kali evolve. Um, (laughs) Me too. Yeah. (laughs) No, I think it's going to be useful. And yeah, I'm just very, I'm excited to see how it changes over the next couple of months. Well... Me too. We'll see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much, Victoria. I appreciate having you on. Thanks. did radio announcing in high school for States once. That was horrible. It was really bad. Yeah, they like, uh, radio announcing was like one of those random ones where like the coach just put someone in there every year because you don't have to qualify for it. That sounds fun though. It was, it was interesting. Yeah, Yeah. It's like an entire competition. So I had in college, I did something similar. I had a DJ radio show. Oh, what was it called? I'll get there. Okay. (laughs) And I just wanted to do it and I had no idea what I was doing. And in in Auburn, they have a radio station, but they don't train you. They just, you just, you (laughs) you apply and they're like, yeah, sure. We have a spot. Yeah. They they assume you're like a broadcast person. They assume that you're in the the school that does it. So they know how to do it. So they show me how to work it. I'm like, I've never seen any of these buttons before. And like, oh, yeah, you'll figure it out. And so I watched them for 30 minutes. And somebody do it, and that was my training. Oh, my gosh. And my spot, the only time that they would let me on was 2 a.m. on a Sunday morning. <laughs> and I was like, I was a freshman, but I, I just, I didn't go out or anything. Yeah. So I was just like, well, what else am I doing? I'm You're already doing up at 2 a.m. anyway. Yeah. So I called it Boo at 2. <laughs> And that was my show. And I could just play whatever music I wanted as long as... And it's also 2 a.m. So nobody's really... Yeah, yeah, but, but I actually... I messed some, something happened where I messed up. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how I messed up because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And somebody called the station. Really? They're like, you need to go off the air right now or you need to do something. I was like, what? Uh, okay. And what I just... What did you do? I literally can't remember. Convenient. I think maybe I had some... I, I had someone in the studio with me, like a friend of mine. Oh, hey, do you okay. want to just like watch? And I think maybe I actually had our mics on, oh. and they heard us talking over the music. Is okay. what I think happened. Got it. Never heard well, that version. I forgot. That's a nice fun fact, now. though. Yeah. Yeah. And I only did it for like, like three times. Oh, you always made it sound like it was a long, extended thing. Oh, I just, you got kicked I off. Yeah, I kicked off. Yeah. It was like the end of the semester came. I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna do this because because if you don't do it, they have if there's nobody there, they have autoplay, so yeah. it just works. Oh, got it. So you don't it. really yeah, yeah. have to do need anything. a DJ. Cool. So that's it. That was your brief career in radio. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, but now I'm extending the career. Yeah. Radio for 2019. Yeah, that's right. So anyway, okay. um, so we can go ahead and get started. So, cat toy now. 